0: Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025 select styles only.
1: Hey everyone, back in the podcast after a extended break, but we're going to be back in the swing of things going Wednesday and Friday from now on. We are moving into uh, something of a new sound situation, so if the sound on this podcast is not perfect, uh, thanks for bearing with us, and we will have it sorted out for the next one. That's uh, all right, let's do this thing. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Wednesday. It's March 6th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is...
2: James
1: Davis. From daily fantasy sports rankings.com, DFSR.com for short, but you know that. We've been on a little bit of a podcast hiatus. As I've been traveling, I went to a, a move buddy. I was I was in the moving weeds for about two weeks, I would say. I took I kind of took over my life. Um, but I think I'm I've finally come out of the morass. Um, and uh, <laughs> and just piled all my stuff <laughs> piled all my stuff in the storage, and now we are good to go podcasting for the rest of the season. Um, we got a big Wednesday slate here. I, I, at what point in the season are we like, do you think we're at the point where we not can fully write off teams? I, it feels like this happens earlier and earlier each year. Maybe I'm just like misremembering the level to which it happens to certain teams. Cause I'm ruined on teams. Like, you know, I'm trying to think like the suns from last year or the Kings to a certain extent. Um, do you think it's just happening with more and more teams? Cause I'm looking down the, the list of this NBA slate today. And it's just been like this when we've audited teams over the last couple weeks. But, man, there's some teams you can't even – you can't be bullish on, like, six or seven teams here. Is is it happening earlier? Is it happening more teams? I feel like we're going to end up skipping a lot of these games here. And I I hate when we do that. So I guess I'm just giving that as a precursor.
2: Well, by my math, there are about 11 teams that are essentially mathematically eliminated. Um, You know, basically, everyone – like Minnesota, the Lakers, New Orleans, and down in the West – and then in the East, it's a little dicier because the, Charlotte is in the playoffs right now, five games under 500, uh, which, you know, leaves a glimmer of hope for even teams like Washington, who are 11 games under 500 and get just three games out of the playoff race. Um, but still, you get teams below them like Atlanta, Chicago, et cetera, that are uh, yeah mathematically eliminated. And when you're mathematically eliminated, basically, I mean, for all intents and purposes, then the thing you have to play for is losing on purpose that's that becomes the smart thing to do right unless you know you don't want to completely antagonize your fans uh, but there's a lot of really unplayable teams and that makes for kind of uh kind of weird things for dfs purposes right because our business is primarily i would say just trying to figure out how many minutes players are going to play on any given night and when you don't know a team's motivations it's really hard to know how many minutes each guy's going to play.
1: Yeah, um, and I, what I'm looking at, I'll start with this first game, is Dallas and Washington. Now, I guess I'm the, the case for Washington is they at least are playing guys like Beal, um, Sadoransky sort of, Ariza's playing minutes. They've been starting Bobby Porter at center. That team, I guess we can make some judgments on them. And then you have Dallas, who Donkic just doesn't play more than more than 32 minutes a game. I think he's very expensive. And then you have guys like Dwight Powell. I mean, give me some of your thoughts on this game. From a DFS perspective, DFS perspective, I don't mind. I don't mind Dwight Powell here. I don't think. Um, I'm just not sure. I'd see much else that I want to get into. Mostly because, especially too on the Washington side, most of these guys are priced accordingly with their opportunity because they've been playing major minutes for a month and a half now, at least.
2: Yeah. So when it comes to Powell, I, I think I'm a believer more than many people are. Uh, he was in our optimal lineup until the last time I was kind of at the helm against Memphis and. I didn't mind it, you know, like uh, you wanted to live the trick was you had to fit him with another, some, there were some other good options too, like bam, on the white side and so on, but uh, that was at 6,100. So now he's up to 6,800. And now he's basically in a position where you need to hit it perfectly in order for him to pay value. And I don't know that I would want to prioritize him. Like, I think we have some other better options tonight, but if he winds up in lineups and certainly for big tournaments, I think he's definitely on the playable list.
1: Yeah, and then what about the Washington side, dude? Are we just, are we at a point where now guys like Beal, I, mean, I mean, are they just too expensive? I mean, Beal's I mean, like playing, these are his minutes the last five, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42 over his last five games. He's averaging 33 yeah. points, six assists, five, uh, six excuse me, six assists, six rebounds during that time. That's elite numbers, beyond elite, right? Like, especially from the scoring perspective, we have met pretty high minutes, and I think that even almost max usage and he's still really not a guy coming in and around lineups. And I'm wondering if that feels correct or just or are we just at the point of maybe yeah, he's like, oh, he's almost 10000 on DraftKings at this point. I mean, he's just too expensive for what you're getting compared to some of the other guys.
2: I think so. You know, I was looking at this and having this discussion uh, again the last time I was on the system. People wanted to play Beal. I guess I see the floor. You know, it's hard not to have a floor on almost any price when you're up around... Uh, Forty minutes a game, <laughs> and you're not just like a, you know, Justin Holiday or, you know, old school Kentavious Caldwell Pope sort of situation. Beal's obviously not that. You know, he's dishing assists far above his season averages. He's obviously scoring at, at a pretty high rate right now too. I worry. I worry that there's not a whole lot of upside built in to, especially on FanDuel, ten thousand five hundred dollar price tag. I think he can do it uh, again like really good matchups, but I don't necessarily see Dallas that way. So I would be I would be like kind of disappointed to see Beal in my lineups is a light way to put it, I suppose. Like you know, again, I wouldn't. It's hard to be too furious to have anyone in there who plays forty minutes a game, but I'm not excited about him as a ten thousand five hundred dollars player.
1: And I think you're just going to get other guys that are in and around that forty minute expectation. I mean, specifically when we get, end up talking about Philadelphia, uh, that are in the same price range They just offer you more of a fantasy floor. But we'll yeah. get we'll get into that game. Um, Minnesota goes in and plays Detroit. Detroit five and a half point home favors. Detroit definitely in. The playoff mix here, they have concentrated some of their rotations more around, the, I mean, even more got around guys like Drummond and Blake, uh, been able to keep them on the court uh, in the short term. Reggie Jackson is still never going to be a big minutes guy. Now, they're right now they're 500. They're, I would say they're they are not locked into the playoffs yet um, because they've played less games than some of these other teams. But one, do you feel safe just running out the pistol? Because at this point in the season, it's kind of like what I meant about at the very beginning. At this point in the season, we do need to talk about teams that are willing to go max minutes on guys and teams that aren't. And Detroit seems like one of them. Minnesota going the other way does not seem like one of them. Any thoughts on this game?
2: Yeah, I think Detroit has to play their guys as many minutes as possible. Like, they're in the driver's seat in terms of making the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Uh, right now, I believe they have the sixth seed, but that's definitely no guarantee. I mean, they're, like you said, they're essentially tied with Brooklyn. Uh, even they have fewer losses, but they've played four fewer games somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's how, very weird with the schedule. the schedule shakes out yeah. that way, but... Uh, especially, I mean, so Brooklyn right now has, let's see, 16 games remaining. and Detroit has 20. That's such a big difference this time of the season. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, I think especially when you're not dealing with like a back-to-back situation, the Brooklyn guys are a full go. Obviously, guys like Drummond bring some concerns, like we've seen recently. He can play 38 minutes a game. He can play 25, 28 minutes in a game. Foul trouble can be a concern for him. And I think going up against Minnesota and Towns could, you know, potentially highlight that for him. I again, I don't know if he's a cash game play anyway, but that's that would be a concern I would have in running him out there. And then the other guys, yeah, Blake, uh, you can trust the minutes. Does that make him a good cash game play? Again, I'm not sure about that, but I, I wouldn't worry that they're gonna like sit him or something if that's what you're asking.
1: Yeah, I think that like no, I'm not questioning that. I think that at this point the sort of the theme is that these teams like Detroit, like Washington, uh, I mean Washington's in a slightly different situation because they are they're not going to make right. the playoffs. Although it's hilarious because the last spot in the East uh, right now, Charlotte has the last spot in the East. They're five games under 500. Um, so, sure. <laughs> so when you're seven, excuse me, when you're nine games out of 500, like or under 500, like the Wizards are, maybe you're not as far away from the playoffs as you should be, <laughs> considering your record. But with the guy with teams like the Pistons and the, the Wizards, they have a lot of good plays, but there's just no new opportunity. And I think if that's going to be the theme, then we are going on a, when you can only roster, you know, I don't know, ten guys for you know, excuse me, nine guys on FanDuel. You, these are just not the teams you're going to end up concentrating on. Cat sure. Towns is coming off a game last night um, where he looked pretty awesome. Um, you know, sometimes it's so funny people only need to see one game from somebody uh, to <laughs> to be like, oh yeah, he's back. I did think he was a superstar. I didn't think he was a little punk or whatever people have been saying about Towns, but he's been on he's been on some kind of tear over the last five games. He is averaging somewhere around 38 points and I think 15 and a half rebounds over the last five games. He even though some of the other minutes on some of the Timberwolves guys seem to come and go, like Teague and these guys, Towns, his opportunity is there, and he really seems like he's maybe, I mean, the short-term sample size and all, is kind of blossoming into the guy that they wanted to be. Do we need to make an adjustment on his full season stats compared to what happens over the last five games? I feel like we've
2: been down this road discussing this exact thing with Towns before. (laughs) No, I'm not making any adjustments. Um, I get that he's been super good. Again, it's basically on a back of this huge rebounding increase and he's gone through these rebounding stretches in the past where he completely goes off for you know 15 plus rebounds a game and then eventually he just stops and I think we have a good baseline on Towns you know unlike a lot of players who uh, play variable minutes uh Towns is not really one of those guys like he tends to be locked into similar rotations throughout the season yeah Minnesota's tweaked things a little bit as the season's gone along but Nothing in the last five games tells me that he's all of a sudden now like a a true talent 40-minute-a-game guy or something. So in the absence of that and combine that with the season-high price, basically, I'm not going to play 10s.
1: Yeah, Also, he's also um, consistently in foul trouble. I don't know if that was the case last night. He's had five. They had four more fouls in the last five games, and he fouled out in one of them, had five in a couple of those games. Yeah, and like I said before, you're not just, and you're really just not getting max minutes on some of these other Timberwolves guys like Wiggins, like Teague. Um, they're still starting to get Koji. They played him 30 minutes last game. He's never going to find much usage when he's sharing the court with those guys that I just mentioned. And Sarich, even though he's starting, they're still, kind of, they're still kind of swapping minutes around some of those bigs around the four. So uh, not, a lot, not a ton to love, I don't think, on the rest of the Minnesota side. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't mind throwing. You know, if you want to just do like a, a mini game stack in terms of the Pistons and Timberwolves, you can be almost rest assured mm-hmm. no no one else is going to play them. I think it's from an ownership standpoint, you're not going to run into high ownership on these on either of these on either of these teams. The other seven o'clock game is Miami goes in and plays Charlotte. The injury news on this one is Goran Dragic is still out with the calf strain. He was out last game as well. They did Hassan Whiteside was available to play last game. It was a, one of those super cryptic. Hassan Whiteside is available to play. No other word. Then, right before lineup lock, he was announced that he was not going to start. They kept Bam and Kelly Olynyk in the starting lineup. Uh, and they brought in Whiteside off the bench. I t- want. I, it's hard to be bullish on any of the big minutes when Hi- Whiteside's around. You really need to wait for those guys to just be out of the mix. Uh, I, but I, I kind of don't mind guys like Justice Winslow, possibly a little bit. And then um, on the Charlotte side, we did write up Kemba Walker last night as a guy who's playing major minutes as the— Charlotte tries to keep their
2: playoff spot alive, even though they're way under 500. Thoughts on this game? Yeah, I certainly like Walker a lot better than Justice Winslow, anyway, uh, while you bring him up. Winslow, I feel like, you know again, near season-high price tag. There are some reasons to believe that the increased production recently is sustainable, Uh, again, on the back of the assist numbers and their current lineup construction. The rebounds have also been up recently. He's been chipping in a few more defensive stats, but I just sometimes wonder about these kind of across-the-board you know, slight stat increases leading to much greater fantasy totals. And you don't have to go very far back. I mean, you can just, you're in February and he has several game stretches where he's averaging like 20 fantasy points, right? So I would really prefer strongly not to play Justice Winslow in cash games tonight. Uh, Walker, on the other hand, I'm a little bit more intrigued by, I think he is a guy that you can turn to and say that there is a demonstrable difference between the beginning of the season and the end of the season. And it's it's very similar to Beale's situation, actually, where it's, mostly the large increase in minutes, and I think the very reasonable acknowledging uh, on the Charlotte coaching staff's behalf that he's their only option, really, right. offensively. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm a slightly bigger believer in Walker. Uh, I guess I would put him in the Beale category of guys that I could see playing where I wouldn't be excited to do it.
1: Yeah, well, well, Walker, basically, this is what we saw from Walker earlier in the season. He started out the season averaging, like, 22, 23, yeah, sure. 23 shots a game. We were talking about, like, oh, my God, is Kemba Walker just making this crazy usage leap? And he was... Uh, And the minutes were there too. And then it sort of died off during the middle of the season or just wasn't as prolific. Like he would go through 11 and 13 shot games. And now he's back to his last. Yeah. So his last six games, 21, 20, 22, 24, 28, 25 shots. Um, That's just back to just crazy amounts of usage. He's playing close to 40 minutes a game. And I think um, that is a situation that I wouldn't be inclined to take the floor on knowing that he is still very scoring dependent. And that always makes me a little worried because you can run into the, you know, you can just run into the four for twenty game that he had against Orlando on Thursday, and then the team gets killed, and he's terrible. So that's the only thing that—that's uh, the only thing that kind of really scares me about him. All right, let's get into these, some of these seven thirty games. There's a couple of them. San Antonio goes in and plays Atlanta. San Antonio six point favorites against Atlanta. You got to hand it to the Hawks; they've really tried. I, they've been a, like they're not a good team, but they are not one of these rollover, we're tanking teams, especially over the short term. If they they, yeah, they have two, they've won two of their last five, which is, doesn't sound great, except that <laughs> it doesn't sound no, great. <laughs> no, no, but you, but, but, but take this for what it's worth. It doesn't sound great. This is a team that should be trying to lose. Right. So like any yeah. game, any game that they win, um, now one of those wins was against Chicago. So that was kind of just like that Spider-Man, uh,
2: meme where one of they, the games of the season, by the way. What's that? Uh, the, the, that that rivalry, the Chicago Hawks rivalry. <laughs> yeah, with the one sixty-eight to one sixty-one four, game. game. Come on, That's a, that was a classic. And I'll give it to you. best class.
1: Even these losses, they've even the losses they've stuck. They stuck in the game. Miami, they only lost by one. Um, that Chicago overtime game, they lost by five in the four overtimes. They lost by seven to, or excuse me, they lost to eight by, to Houston. That's sticking in it. They lost mm-hmm. by three to Detroit. They're sticking in all, I guess my point is they're sticking all these games. And that, when that's happening, you are seeing at times big minutes out of guys like Trey Young. You're seeing sure. minutes out of um, not Herder as much. Uh, and then they should get John Collins back tonight. Give me some of your thoughts on this game.
2: Yeah, I, I see the minutes on Trey Young. I've been kind of bearish on him, generally speaking. Uh, The fact that they're willing to play him, you know, 55 minutes, even in a four-overtime game, is encouraging for the upside. Like, as we've seen, and even the game before that, he played 43 minutes against Minnesota. We know that the upside potential is real there. He's also at a season-high price tag. His role has changed slightly and that he's just happy to have the ball in his hands constantly. I think you can probably give him something like a 20% usage, or I'm sorry, a 20% assist bump based on his season totals here. And I still don't know if that makes him an $8,400 player just in, in what amounts to an okay matchup with San Antonio. It's not the worst matchup in the league anymore, but it's certainly nothing special. San Antonio is still playing a, a bottom seven pace on the season. So, uh, And then after Young, I think the return of Collins yeah. uh, definitely muddies the waters here quite a bit because you know we saw Murray Spelman be kind of a chalk play. And then we saw a game where they were missing Prince, they were missing Spelman, and they were missing Collins. And that made a lot of Atlanta guys playable. Given that Prince is now playing and Collins is likely to play tonight, I think you got probably too crowded of a situation among the rest of those guys back then.
1: Well we saw and we saw also two straight nights of Alex Len chalk night. Um one he was amazing in and the other one he was ab- an yeah. abomination in. And it was gonna be easy to not go, and I forgot that I should have mentioned this at the top, it was gonna be easy not to go back to him after the 0 for six. Everyone what's so funny when guy like chalk guys, people will just simply never understand this from a cash game perspective. It's like when people are complaining. When everyone's complaining about the guy, then don't worry. No one need complain. Everyone played him. You know what I mean? Like I'll never understand how people don't understand the math behind like the we're all complaining in cash about Alex Len. Be like, hey dude, when the entire industry is complaining about him, cool. Now we just now have the eight people on the roster instead of nine. Like I just like everyone just be quiet about it. now the problem is that Len, it was gonna be easy to forget, except now Dwayne Dedman's out <laughs> and it looks like Len's gonna start again. is, is Len is Deadman being out and Len starting enough to have him He's only 4,100 on FanDuel. He is... uh, I lost it. He's 4,500 on DraftKings. I guess our system doesn't see it as a clear thing on DraftKings, which is interesting, but it definitely has him um, everywhere on FanDuel. Would you be comfortable going back to him in cash knowing that you're going to probably hear some complaints about it, but also
2: maybe knowing that he's just going to be very, very highly owned again? Well, right. And if people don't want to play Len, I'd like to know who they do want to play. I mean, because basically the decision in my mind is, do you go down to Len, and if I perceive it to be a great punt situation or do you go all the way up and then now you're going to play like drummond against minnesota or like Jokic against the lakers i guess i could see people doing that if the punts avail themselves at other positions but and like what i'm seeing right now in our system anyway is not a huge amount of like the super cheap very obvious plays outside of maybe like amir johnson but uh given that i'm more than happy to play land at 4100 i guess it's It's going to ultimately come down to a minutes question, like is the right number of minutes to project him for the 26 he played against Chicago or the 20 that he played against Miami or somewhere in between. But I'm not going to overthink it probably too much, I think, especially on Van where you can drop your lowest score. It's it's sort of a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, if you're gonna drop your lowest score and you're gonna drop just
2: a guy that's gonna be pretty
1: highly owned, I think that I'm fine. Taping. And you could just go
2: 10x also, and he could be like 70 percent owned and go 10x, and then you lose automatically. Like that's well, that's, that's the other pretty thing too.
1: this is where you need to just re- just rip the recency bias right out of your head because not you, I, you're not you don't fall. Sorry, <laughs> buddy, I'll try. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's a game. And I know you won 24 and 10. You played 36 minutes against Chicago. That was that crazy million overtime game. Um, but then 28 and nine against Chicago. It's not a, as good a matchup, obviously against San Antonio, but I think I this is a kind of it's bordering on no brainer for me as long as he's starting and I'm sure that we'll hear some clapback um, at times in chat. All right, what about San Antonio cuz obviously this game is a 235 over under. That is the highest of the night by by an easy amount by five over the next closest game. Um but what I'm not seeing a lot of uh, I'm not seeing a lot of Spurs guys coming into laps here. Do you think that you would be like is this a place where we want to go a little overboard with the Spurs to kind of get them there? Or are we just not seeing the value? I mean, they do have the best matchup by far here.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, you can't disagree with the Spurs matchup. Uh, it's just going to be one of the best in the NBA. And the thing, the other thing you can't really disagree with about the Spurs is that these guys are playing pretty consistent minutes. And they're mostly appropriately priced, uh, even bordering on too aggressively priced. Uh, so in the case of like LaMarcus Aldridge, he's been just under an $8,200 player on FanDuel all season long. The Atlanta matchup, you know, makes up for some portion of that. Alters is also a guy who can lose minutes if the game gets out of hand. I get that Atlanta stayed, or stayed in games, and it's only a six-point game as far as Vegas is concerned. But that's definitely at least a consideration. Uh, there's some, like I guess I'm curious to know your thoughts on someone like Rudy Gay, uh, who had a little bit of a minutes uptick in his last couple games and has really paid this current price tag pretty handily. I don't know. He just seems kind of too volatile. Um,
1: just coming off the bench still I like that
2: yeah. I, like but that's what I mean I'm, I'm just scrambling for plays here like I, I don't think I want to play DeRozan at 9000 that seems like you know a price tag that's I don't know 10% too high or something so I
1: mean what about like I, what about Derek White Derek White played 36 minutes last game now, they, they, times his his minutes have fluctuated because of injury stuff but he's up to 60 right. he's a, he's another one though he's up to 6700 on on FanDuel like uh, I just, I, 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 again, this is not a team. I get so worried about being super bullish on team. He's a little bit easier to pal, uh, stomach on DraftKings at 5,400. I get so, I just, the Spurs are not one of those teams that goes crazy with minutes, really. Like outside of Aldridge, a 36-37-minute game, maybe a DeRozan, 36-37. You're just not seeing it consistently enough. And that's, I think, ultimately where I land on not wanting to go overboard on these guys, even though they have the best matchup. Is that fair? I mean, that's, White would probably be the closest that would
2: go. And that will only be on DraftKings at 5,400. Yeah, I'm not a big believer on White at this price tag. I think there's a lot of run-hot in the recent game log. Uh, Just to draw out a few examples. And maybe this is just the player that he is, but is he really a a six-rebound-a-game guy? There there just aren't many point guards that can average six rebounds a game on playing 30 minutes a game. Uh, Is he really going to be two-blocks-a-game guy? He has been in the last four games. Probably not. Is he really going to be a two steals a game player? Right, right. <laughs> you know, Maybe. I mean, there are players who can sustain defensive uh, like hustle stats and, and so on like this. Um, but I, what I see in White is a guy who in all likelihood uh, is probably set to lose a steal a game, lose a block a game, and already you're down six points. And if he loses a couple of rebounds too, like you could all of a sudden be in for a world of hurt. He doesn't really score. I don't think the assist numbers are reliable given how they run their offense, like either through to Rosen or Aldridge. So uh, no, I'm not a believer on White right now, unless we see, you know, a real like what I would really like to see is a, a long stretch of him sustaining, especially these rebound numbers, before I would want to buy. But no, I don't think I'm going to play him tonight. Yeah, but I, I take I take it back on DraftKings. I could I could stomach it at 5400. Certainly not a fandle.
1: Yeah, no, I think that and that's just and you need to you need to be pretty confident he's going to play something like 35 minutes. I think to end up getting there. All right, Cleveland goes in and plays Brooklyn. Brooklyn eight and a half point favorite here against the Cavs. The injury the injury news. Look at. Me.
2: Say. <laughs> We're Brooklyn. We're eight and a half point favorites in a basketball game. Huh?
1: Brooklyn is going to be. Sorry. I will. I will say Brooklyn is going to be a team that none of these teams are going to want to play in the playoffs. Like only because it's going to. They're going. They're going to. Oh, oh, you don't think so? Brooklyn's at, Brooklyn. Brooklyn plays top. I, I guess like if you look at the bottom. Okay, I'll put it this way. Of the bottom of the of the bottom of the East it, of these teams, the Nets, the Pistons, the Hornets. I, I'll throw the Heat in there. Which of those teams would you want to play the least? I for me to
2: rather I, the, well, p- the Pistons clearly. Oh, no, the Pistons have superstar talent on their team Brooklyn, I mean all these teams I wouldn't be scared of any of these teams first of all if I was I mean, the top me, teams, they're all have l- under, they, they've given up more points than they've scored this season, all three of those teams that you mentioned, so I'm not scared if I'm any of those teams, but uh, Brooklyn's certainly not the, they're not the laughing stock they have been, so I'll i it guess it. that's I guess that's
1: my point point. and so, and but where, whereas Cleveland is and now uh, Brooklyn is eight and a half point favorites, the, the injury news here is that uh, Zizek and well Tristan Thompson has been has been out, but Zizek and Thompson are both out. Really looks like we're going to get Larry Nance back and still in the starting lineup at center with Nance Kevin go. Love with Kevin Love at power forward. Uh, 5600 on FanDuel is showing up in a lot of our lineups right now. Would you be comfortable? He's not a traditional center, but the, uh, mostly the, the Nets have just really given it up to bigs on the off on, on the glass and scoring to some degree. He played 32 mm-hmm. minutes last game. Could you see him? Would you be comfortable rolling him out and putting cash games on on FanDuel?
2: I'd be excited to roll him out in cash games. Really? That? Yeah, I think so. I think I don't, I'm not super scared about the matchup here. Uh, you know, Brooklyn being eight point favorites, I, I don't really see it going in the direction of it being a huge blowout. And a lot of that is matchup based. I think both love and Nance can punish them down low. So, uh, and love also around the perimeter as well. But yeah, I'm not so worried about it. I think again, power forward is very weak. And unless I want to pay up at a weak position, which, you know, can be a, a pretty tricky strategy sometimes, right? Like, do I want to go up to Aldridge against the Hawks? Do I want to play Griffin against Minnesota? Because if I don't, we haven't listed a lot of great power forward plays so far. Dwight Powell, you know, right. at an all-time high price tag. So I could totally see doing it. Today. The
1: one area I get concerned with Nance and probably in our projection, I have a, I think I have this query in here is that the rebounding numbers just simply aren't the same when Kevin Love is around. Like you can look at the, t- the di- basically the game that Love returns and starts playing like 22 minutes a game. Uh, that's against Phoenix on the 21st. Uh, Love comes in and his rebounding is 11, 12, 12, 8, and 14 over the last five games. And Nance's, that's basically the game where Nance dr- becomes no longer a double-digit rebound guy. Up, up until that point, he was 12, 12, 19, 10, 16, 14. And that Phoenix game comes along where Love is back and he hasn't hit double-digit rebounds Since then, despite playing you know a 29 minute game 28 32, are you concerned at all that with love back, maybe some of um the Nance's full season projection numbers on specifically his rebounds might be just a little bit high because it just and it would make sense too, right? Like, love is just an elite rebounder in this kind of like role when LeBron's not around. What do you what do you make of a situation like that?
2: Uh, yeah, I think it's potentially fine to offer slightly downward guidance. Um, I guess again, the real question is going to come down to the minutes like, do you see Nance? As a 32 to 35 minute a game guy, like he has been, I mean, not very long ago, or do you see him more in like the 28 to 31 minute range?
1: Um, I think I see him like 32. I think as long as he's starting, I'm pretty sure Zizek was around for a couple of those games. I have to, I have to double check. I not positive. I think I feel comfortable with the minutes. I, it's just that I think that like right now, so if you look at our, I'm just trying to bring up our baseline projection on him. Yeah. Right now we have him for 10.3 rebounds and in 32 minutes. That is where I think we're probably trending a little high. And that's my only concern. Because right now, he's he's like not an every-lineup guy on FanDuel. He's 70% of the top 10 lineups. And if we were to offer, I don't know, 80, a 20-25% downgrade on rebounds, which could be their actual reality, then maybe he's no longer there. I get, I, I'm, I'm just mostly bringing this up because like these are the kind of decisions we need to make about our baseline projections in situations like this where something's clearly changed.
2: Yeah, no, that, that number does seem high. I can't disagree there. I think probably... I'd be comfortable more in like the eight rebound range. And that certainly does knock a couple of points off of his overall expectation. I think Love's presence, you know, it's always tricky to do the on court, off court thing. I think there's a lot of value in that data, but it can also kind of fool the eyes sometimes. And especially in the case of guys like Nance and Love be, you know, tweaked by the short sample size of how many minutes Nance has played with Love this season. So I think a slight downgrade would make sense here. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't want to be
1: too crazy about it because he had like an eight rebound game in 23 minutes against Memphis. So I think that there's still the potential for it. It's just, it's, it's when you see this clear AB trend of you're an insane rebounder. And then, got, you know, this borderline superstar guy comes back and now all of a sudden you don't rebound anymore because that guy is gobbling up all the rebounds because yeah, love is averaging double digit rebounds a game. I think on Brooklyn side, Cleveland's a good matchup, but this team is still in the when no one plays except for occasionally D'Angelo Russell and that. Hasn't been the case as much with Dinwiddie back. Um, I just you're hard pressed on a big slate, even with mul- I, I would say even with multiple injuries, I'd be hard pressed <laughs> to play the Nets here. I just that's just like the nature of their team. All right, eight o'clock games. Philly goes in and plays Chicago. Uh, we are coming off a night where the they without Jonah Bolden and they really had no bigs at all against the Magic, and they ended up starting Amir Johnson. Amir Johnson was excellent for his price. The price did not have time to correct on either side because. Uh, the pricing was locked in already on the back-to-back. Bolden is questionable. Would you need to know? I'm going to get to the other his guys in a second, but would you need to know that Bolden was out before considering running Amir Johnson back out there? Like, because right now he's a, he's an every lineup guy, and I'd be concerned that if Bolden was only questionable, I mean he still only played 20 minutes last night. Amir Johnson did. Like he he was great. He went 13-5-2-2 and on a steal. And I just don't know where to sort of land on him. And I get, I don't know, I, I, I'm waffling because I simultaneously want to play him and would be sort of terrified to play him if we didn't have Bolden news. And I just, and I'm also like
2: not exactly sure where to set his minutes. Well, this is where like lineup construction can become as much art as it is science. Uh, so there's a lot of considerations here, right? The first is do you have any other players that could potentially completely explode on you and disappear on FanDuel? Because, you know, maybe like Alex Len, right? If Alex Len is in your lineup, it becomes more risky to play Amir Johnson out there. And I think if you're, but if you're not playing Latin for whatever reason, you know, some news comes out, um, then obviously Johnson becomes a lot more palatable. Uh, And then you have just the fact, like just the track record of Amir Johnson's minutes in general, when there's been injury on the team, there've been games where he'll go out there and play like 30 plus minutes. And, We know that generally speaking, the Sixers don't really believe in Amir Johnson very much, right? (laughs) So he can go out there, chip in some defensive stats, uh, be a really, really good play. When there's nothing but opportunity ahead of him, but the fact that he only got 19 minutes, 20 minutes in that game with no Bolden, with no Embiid, has got to be at least something of a red flag, right? So... I, uh, I I would definitely want pretty definitive news before I was going to move on Johnson.
1: And honestly, even with definitive news, I can't. I, I'm I'm con- concerned that we got like a peak game out of him. I was happy we had him in every lineup, so I'm not complaining about Amir Johnson necessarily. But um, yeah, it is a situation where we got I would say the best possible outcome for twenty Amir Johnson minutes. Oh, He's not going to
2: score a, mi- a point and a half a minute, in average, no.
1: Right. So I think from that point of view, I would probably feel. Comfortable-ish, just fading him, I think. And I, I don't know. This will be something we're going to be on Twitch tonight, talking uh, lineups going into lock. This will be something we talk about if we don't have, if we don't have Jonah Bolden news. If we have Bolden news, I think we can just wipe them kind of both off. Now, the rest of the Sixers guys, um, they seem pretty locked in on this fantasy performance with no Embiid around here. Simmons, Tobias Harris, uh, Butler made a sort of a late game comeback with some of his production last night. It was looking pretty bad to start, and then kind of made up for it. But we can. I I feel comfortable projecting. I mean, Lee Simmons. I feel comfortable projecting him at forty minutes. Um, Tobias. I, I'm pre, still pretty bullish on even though he only played thirty four last night. Uh, thoughts on the rest of these guys? Or, or do I mean, do you see Simmons as a lock for cash game
2: tonight? The beat is definitely out again. And then, where do you fall with the rest of these guys? Yeah, I love Simmons. I think you know he's an example. We've talked a lot about these forty minute a game guys recently. I think he's an example where the increase in performance can be directly tied to not just a minute's increase, but also a very, very significant opportunity increase. And there's been a couple of ways this has manifested for Simmons. Uh, so the Here first is, obviously, suffers. in the assists. Um, like, he's gone from feeding Embiid of the ball a lot of times, and Embiid can score a lot of unassisted baskets just by, you know, kind of slowing down the possession and just scoring on his own. Uh, you know, Simmons is doing a lot more slash and kick. Uh, this is also placing him closer to the rim. You know, he's driving more. They have no one to clog up the lane down there. And so he's down there. He's grabbing rebounds. He's got 12-plus rebounds in four straight games, you know, eight, 11, and 11 assists in the last three games, and then a, two assists somehow against New Orleans. Uh, but, yeah, he's sustaining 50-plus fantasy points a game. I personally think there's upside for even more if the scoring comes together or, you know, he puts together one of his, like, random two or three block games. So I'm a, I'm a buyer on Simmons. I think if you're comparing him – Apples to apples against guys like Kemba Walker or Bradley Beal, uh, you know, guys in the similar sort of price range and similar situation, I'd take Simmons every time. Yeah, I'm um, in the same
1: direction. I, our system is too. He's in 100 of lineups. The, the DraftKings price is just still a joke. 8,900 is. Yeah, I, it's just, it's. I don't. It's just. It's a complete mistake. I don't know another way to put it. Um, and then we have Reddick. I mean, Reddick came out. I, I written Reddick up going into last night's game, saying that he had just been running so bad from three, specifically over the short term. Some of that is he does get worse, typically worse looks when a beat is off the court because they run so many two-man actions with those two guys. But he did he came back out firing last night. Uh, he's only 4,900. He looks to be like a pretty strong DraftKings play as well. Uh, and then you can take Butler and Harris. And I'm not as I'm not as bullish on either of these guys. Although I, DraftKings, I will say, is sort of daring you on Butler at 7,300. So a lot to like here on in the, in the Philly side. I, it's always weird on a huge slate like this to end up stacking a, one whole team sort of. And I kind of get why our system is trending that way. Uh, Chicago side, right now, Laurie Markkinen is a guy that's kind of starting to show up in lineups. 8,000 on draft, excuse me, yeah, 8,000 on DraftKings. They are greatly compromised on the interior defense without, basically, if they're without everybody specifically, without uh, without Embiid. Could you see starting a guy like Markkinen? He's a guy 34 minutes, 35, 36 over the last, over the short term. He had that 54-minute game in there, but that doesn't really count because it was the overtime. Uh, thoughts on him and anyone else on the Bulls?
2: Yeah, I think you're spot on in terms of calling out Markiton's DraftKings price. I think, again, I would be very, very concerned at running him at 8800 on FanDuel. I think even at 8000 like you have to squint a little bit to see marketing in that way. Uh, I think, you know, given that he's a young player and there's less of an established baseline, I think you can probably get away with it a little bit. I'm a little bit, just to be honest, confused by this line in general. You know, Philly is 18 games above 500 this season. Chicago is almost 30 games under 500 I mean, it's a home game for Chicago. I get that Embiid's not there, but is this really a five-point game? I'd still be somewhat concerned about a blowout here, or like you know, especially guys on the Bulls potentially losing a few minutes. Uh, Markin isn't like a lot of bigs, and that he can still be useful if a team is trailing pretty significantly. But I I don't think I would want to go out of my way to prioritize him or anything.
1: Yeah, I think um,
2: I, I
1: I sort of rang in that as well in terms of like being a little confused on the line and but if you the problem is philly just hasn't been able to pull away from any teams without a beat like they barely they barely beat the pelicans they beat the pelicans by one uh i mean is sure. a good team but they didn't have paul george that night and so that was and they won by four uh the golden state they lost they probably should have beat golden state they lost by three and then they struggled to pull away from the magic last night so i think it's I get it. I, I just... You can't look at their... You can't look at their full season. One, you can't look at their full season plus my... or point differential without Embiid. So I don't think that's a good comp to start. But the... Uh, yeah, I... Yeah, I'm with you that I thought it was weird and when you look at sort of what they've done without Embiid, they just... They they can't really pull away from teams. So I think that's... I, so I, I guess from that respect I sort of get it. I, I do think there's probably something wrong with Levine too. Um, he's been... Pretty bad over the short term. I don't I don't mind marketing. He's been double-double. I'm taking away the Atlanta game, but he's been mostly a double-double guy over the short term. All right, let's keep rolling here. 8 o'clock, Utah goes in and plays New Orleans. I'm about to do a full skip on this game, unless you see something. The Pelicans pulled the old, stupid, idiot. I, 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 oh, I couldn't believe it. The, I saw it come through. The Davis, he's not going to play. <laughs> just kidding. He's, he's going to play. <laughs> Psych, he is playing. I mean, this team is a full-blown, epic mess. I kind of just want to skip this yeah. whole thing. Um, I mean, Utah does... They do offer a good matchup. But then with Davis like how good of a matchup are they? I don't know, whatever. Any thoughts on this game? I kind of want to just move on from it.
2: Yeah, well I think Davis's, you know, fluctuating role makes New Orleans pretty uninteresting, especially considering that Utah is still not a super exciting matchup. And then on the Utah side, you know, it's a case of not a lot of increased opportunity here, right? And uh, we look at things, the three major factors are always opportunity, matchup, and price, and I'm not seeing any real value in any of those three categories here for Utah
1: Yep. okay moving into it <laughs> you got to be a real NBA fan for this one Knicks go in and play Phoenix um, actually I'm not even sure you need to be an NBA fan maybe maybe no one needs to watch this game Knicks go in and play Phoenix uh, Phoenix is three and a half point favorites over New York uh, give me your thoughts on this one I, if I, if I I mean the Knicks are you never know who's gonna play Mitchell Robinson does play off the bench a decent amount. They started Luke Cornett for in place of DeAndre of DeAndre Jordan last game. DeAndre Jordan's questionable, so good chance we don't even have that news going into lineup lock. Yeah, and then we have the Suns who get a good matchup against the Knicks. And I don't know, man. I I I hate to like sound like this bummed about games this late. I feel like it's still pretty early to start sounding like the wind is completely out of my sails in some of these games, but this one. I feel like there should be a lot to like about it from a fantasy perspective
2: and I just also simultaneously feel like there's nothing to like. Yeah, I mean, the reality is that, and our system kind of calls this out, there are some playable options here, like Devin Booker, for instance, uh, especially if you believe in the 39 minutes a game he's played in the last two games, and maybe we're a minute low, we have him at 36, but uh, these guys are just expensive. Like, all of a sudden, you're going to pay 7700 for Kelly Oubre? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, right. I've seen games where he's done it and I've also seen pretty good stretches where he plays 29 minutes a game and scores 29 fantasy points right so I just don't know I I think the Suns would be the team I'd be looking at just because the the Knicks minutes are all at once in an incredible amount of flux and their guys are somehow still overpriced throughout that so I don't know yeah the Suns guys they've been playing their minutes they're kind of overpriced even in a good matchup and the Knicks are just crazy so unfortunately yeah you kind of get a good matchup both ways but just the way the pricing algorithms work. It's not looking like a great DFS spot.
1: You can catch lightning in a bottle on some of these things, guys. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, Robinson, like Alonzo Trier. Like maybe if you're looking at like like sort of short slate kind of things, but from a big slate, you simply, especially from a cash game perspective, simply cannot trust anything the Knicks are doing right now. They're actively, they're finally, they finally figured out that they need to actively try to lose and they're doing a good job at that, but it makes them uh, full, almost full-blown zeros when it comes to DFS. All right. 10 o'clock games. Boston goes in and plays Sacramento. Boston come off a huge win last night on the road against the Warriors. So maybe Bill Simmons can stop doing full Celtics-related podcasts about like what, how terrible the team is and how it's the biggest drama thing of the whole season. Um, I don't know if one win is enough to get them to stop doing it. I hate to complain about someone else's podcast, but I feel like I've, I've put myself in this situation, I've listened to a lot of stuff about the Celtics over the last uh, week or two. Now they go in and play Sacramento. This game has a two twenty nine over over-under. Sacramento offers a good matchup, and I just don't know if you're getting enough going either way. Like, I don't know if you're getting enough minutes on the Boston side to warrant playing them against the Kings. And I don't know if you're getting a good enough matchup going the other way for a Kings team that is actually playing their guys a lot of minutes. What are your thoughts on this game?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much nailed it. I think on the Boston side, our system is going to be tempted by guys like, say, Horford, Um, you know, seeing that he's gotten that minutes upside recently and that he's still not at an all-time high price. But i just personally not a believer. I mean, Horford can play 35 minutes or 25 minutes, and it doesn't really matter. Boston is deep, which is... Uh, you know damning them for DFS purposes you hate deep teams right. for DFS and then going the other way uh, they're one of the best defensive teams so I think in a Kings team that just you know kind of out of nowhere this year became more consistent uh, and you're seeing guys like Heald like Willie Colleystein Stein be at at or near season high prices and grabbing them against Boston certainly a bottom 10 matchup and leave not a bottom five uh, is not where you want to be.
1: Yeah, I think I, I just kind of want, this is a game I wouldn't mind watching and at the same time probably won't have all that much exposure outside of some of this late, late stuff. All right, final game on the slate. Denver goes into the Lakers, and we are going to have some major question marks about this leading into lineup lock, I think. Uh, we'll see. One thing we already know is Kuzma is out. Okay, so Kyle Kuzma sprained his ankle last game. He is not going to play. Brandon Ingram sat out last game with a shoulder injury, I believe, and he is now questionable to play. We, let's say let's say this stuck. Let's say it's seven. It's, you know it's six thirty Eastern Time right now, and we know Kuzma's out. We know Ingram's questionable, and we know that for all all intents and purposes, the Lakers are removed from the playoff. They're not mathematically eliminated yet, but they're four games under five hundred. They're six games out of the, lap, the final seed in the playoffs. What do we do with the Lakers here? This was the biggest question mark I had when I was trying to figure out minutes on guys, even like guys like LeBron and ugh, some of these bench guys who can play for Kuzma. I and I'm worried that we're going to be stuck in this situation going into it because we have this, yeah, we have a, what's their motivation and who's going to play situation. And they could have a ton of fantasy value too. I don't know. You can hear me being confused, but I think this is actually the, this this team specifically is the biggest question mark of the night.
2: Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I think uh, they are in a position, especially at home here where it would be an impossibly bad PR decision to not try their absolute best to win this game. Uh, each loss going forward will be one more strike on the nail into the coffin. And I just—I believe that they would not want that to happen at home. <laughs> so right. I think you can expect 40 minutes out of LeBron tonight. I think you can expect that the guys that can play will play. So I don't know if that means Ingram will be out there, but uh, I think they can certainly use him. Like if Kuzma is out tonight, LeBron kind of running the four, uh, starting Ingram onto the three would probably be where they would want to be, especially because they just have so few guys – in the starting offense, they can make their own shot. Like Boshard, Hart's not really a, an offensive player. Obviously, Rondo is just more wanting to facilitate rather than lead on his own. So, yeah, I would be I would be expecting minutes, and I think for my purposes, playing Rondo in cash, even at 7,500, seems very workable to me. I think playing LeBron, even at these really really high price tags, it's a possibility, especially given that you know one thing people probably haven't noticed so far is we really haven't. Called out any top tier price right. guys tonight, nope. but we do have some pretty decent points in Len and potentially Amir Johnson. So I think LeBron winds up in a lot of lineups for that reason as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think Rondo and LeBron are, are on my list very highly tonight, and I think I'd be willing to go down with that ship.
1: I think that I think you know this is a, we can make this the final point, and then we're going to get out of here. But like the LeBron at twelve seven on FanDuel, the guys underneath them, like we mentioned, Towns, like that's that's sort of a question mark. Jokic, he's in a fine situation here. Jokic is actually a guy I think we could consider possibly for cash games, and you just have to worry about minutes for him too. Like, he's just not a locked in 36 minute per game kind of superstar type, even at these prices, even though he can fill it up with the best of them. And he has such a good matchup here tonight that he probably is worth consideration. And then the rest of these guys, like, over the, in the five digits, Beal, Gobert, Drummond, you're not really, you'd be hard pressed to I think, play any of them in cash. So I think that's where we end up landing on LeBron. And it's just such a sad situation with the Lakers. I can't believe, I honestly, I, I can sort of, sort of believe we're here because I thought their roster construction from the very beginning was absolutely terrible. And it just played out and LeBron got hurt and did all these other issues, but whatever. Um, it's just, it's crazy that we're talking about the LeBron Lakers in this way, talking about them possibly just being in the tank, maybe even after this game. All right, we're going to get out of here. We're going to be on Twitch tonight uh, over doing a live stream leading into lineup lock. Uh, DFSR.com slash MBA will get you a free trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at lineup lab. So go check that out. We'll be back again Friday doing more podcasts uh, breaking down that slate, buddy. Enjoy your Wednesday in basketball.
2: See ya.
0: Fall is finally here and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family. And stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out, hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only.